Hi, everyone. I'm Deborah Kahn, founder of Being Patient. I'm excited to announce today that we're launching a new series, Being Patient Perspectives, where we're going to hear inspirational stories from people who are living or impacted by dementia. So joining us, um, I'm excited, is our first um, guest. His name is Jeff Borgoff. He's joining us from New Jersey. Um, Jeff's story is that he was diagnosed a couple of years ago with early onset Alzheimer's um, while taking care of his own father who had dementia. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Deborah. Thank you for having me. So, you know, I think all of us who have been impacted, I mean, as you know, my mom has Alzheimer's disease. Mm. Um, you can't but help think that this may be your own fate as well. Once you see a loved one um, um, living with this disease. So let's just start with the beginning for you. I mean, I can't even imagine how that must have felt for you to actually receive a diagnosis um, when you were living with your dad um, who had dementia. Yes, I think um, dementia in its various forms, including Alzheimer's, is some is, is a disease that um, when you're not in it or it's not part of your family or the, or the nucleus of your family, um, it, there's there's not a lot of information uh, for you uh, uh, to draw from. So uh, myself, like many others, uh, when my father was diagnosed uh, with uh, dementia. I really, I really didn't know what it was. Um, and so I began to, to slowly learn what, what, the, what the disease was. Dementia being an umbrella term for various forms of, of, of uh, symptoms uh, that we all know of. Um, <clears throat> so when, uh, when my father was diagnosed, uh, I began to learn a, a little bit about his particular dementia, which is which is vascular dementia, that was brought on by a series of uh, one one big stroke and then a series of micro uh, strokes. Um, but later on, we found out that it was also mixed um, vascular and Alzheimer's. But uh, I think going through that for me, it really didn't click too much. <coughs> Excuse me, it really didn't click too much that. Um, this might be something that I could fall prey to, um, and the, which is, in hindsight, kind of makes me think that maybe I should have thought about that because my grandfather, uh, when he was uh, in his late 70s, had dementia, a form of dementia. We don't know what it was because this was 30, 40 years ago. Uh, then my uncle, uh, his closest, my father's closest brother, um, died of uh, complications from his, his dementia. And then my father uh, passed at the end of last year um, uh, from heart failure from, from his dementia. So one would think that, you know, you know putting the pieces together, you know, th this could be something that myself and my brothers uh, would really 
uh, think about, but it, it, it just it just wasn't something that we were thinking about. <clears throat> that, Jeff, tell me, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, how you found out. I mean, you know, it would it would suggest because you have such a prevalence in your family of Alzheimer's that you could um, possibly have a genetic link. But as you said, you weren't expecting it. So what triggered um, like you to go to the doctor and even receive a diagnosis in the first place? So the first thing is, is that my father is the youngest of nine. And only my father, his father, and his old, his oldest, his second, this brother closest to him, had any form of dementia. Um, the brother, the others just passed of natural causes. So, you know, it, it wasn't one of those things that we we're thinking. Okay, there's, there's a genetic component here. Um, for me, what got me to a neurologist was actually the fact that um, I was beginning to struggle with uh, cognitive and memory uh, issues in, in my work, when, in the type of work I was doing, which was, you know, it, it, it was a very complicated type of work, uh, software development. Um, I, I was actually uh, the technical lead on, on various enterprise projects. And I was finding that um, my recall and my cognition, multitasking was just really beginning to tank. Um, so what did that look like exactly at work? So, you know, were you forgetting things, parts of projects or what, how did that uh, manifest? Uh, I was forgetting things uh, like uh, what, what, what somebody had said. Um, I was interpreting things incorrectly. Um, I was having difficulty juggling multiple tasks at the same time, which I used to be fantastic at, um, you know, years ago. Um, uh, and so it, it, it really was, I was really beginning to struggle and the way that it was manifesting itself to me was, okay, so I'm approaching 50 uh, or I'm 51 years old now. And here's a, here, I got a bunch of guys working in my team or with me who are just out of college, uh, you know, with computer science degrees. And, you know, they're, they're grabbing this up a lot quicker than I am. And I said, well, you know, maybe I'm just getting older. And I said, but honestly, that, that's it, that, that, that wasn't it, you know, it, it wasn't, I was, I was, I was trying to blame it on something um, other than, you know, the obvious, which was, you know, I was beginning to show symptoms of Alzheimer's. Um, <clears throat> so at that point, I was beginning to get very stressed out, very anxious about it. And it began to manifest itself physically. And the way that it began to manifest it was that my face began to twitch. I was getting this uh, almost like a nervous twitch in my face. And then um, uh, shortly after that, I began to get fake. My face began to droop. Um, so they thought I was like you had a stroke almost. Like when you okay. say droop, was it one side? What, what it was, was one like? side? Yeah. So they, they were thinking maybe Bell's palsy or maybe I was having a stroke or something like that. So they so I got to the doctor and I, I went and the, the first neurologist said diagnosed me with epilepsy. So I was be, I was on epileptic medicine for the for for months and then that wasn't helping and then I got to uh, I went to a, another uh, another medical center and they said it wasn't epilepsy they they didn't know what it was honestly I think I went to four or five different medical you know hospitals the issue was is that each one of them was trying to help me and trying to diagnose me in their specialty right so uh, one person was trying to to diagnose me in 
a movement issue because I was I was twitching a lot. So he was looking at it from a movement specialist. Uh, another person was looking at it from a epileptic specialist, and, and so on and so forth. Until finally, my wife and I said, you know, th there's we got to go to a doctor who can really tell us what's going on. And so we ended up. Go ahead. No, I, I was wondering at that time, did you were you cognizant? Were you saying, oh, something has something's wrong with my memory? Because we hear about this a lot, this misdiagnosis, especially yeah. when you're in your early 50s. Most people aren't thinking, oh, it's Alzheimer's, right? That that's for 80 something year old. So sure. So who put the two I, and two together? I think um, in my particular situ situation, it wasn't so much my memory. Um, memory is is Short-term memory is a thing that most people kind of associate with Alzheimer's or dementia because it's it usually, from what I've learned, it usually affects the hippocampus first, and then that's where your short-term memory are, are, is, is stored or processed. And and so, so what happens is, um, uh, short your short-term memory or your memory is the thing that people sort of associate with a dementia or Alzheimer's. For me, it wasn't that. For me, it was cognition. Uh, 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 processing of steps, multitasking, my balance was off a little bit. I had, the, I had these movements. Um, so the symptoms of, a deme of dementia or Alzheimer's can, can, can vary. It, it, it's a pretty, lar pretty uh, large spectrum. And memory is just really one of the, um, of the symptoms that can be affected by uh, the various forms of dementia. So um, we finally got to um, uh, the hospital that, that where I was officially diagnosed, it was Columbia Medical Center of, of Neurology. And uh, she, she spent about, the, when I say she, uh, Dr. Karen Bell, if I'm allowed to use names. Um, <laughs> so we spent about two, two and a half hours. She really spent a lot of time with me and asked me a lot of questions, really did a lot of observational things. And I had a, a, a neuropsychological exam, which I tanked on. Um, and uh, they did a spinal tap because um, they checked me for Huntington, Huntington's disease and Kreutzfeldt-Jakob's disease. But they also uh, tested the uh, um, spinal fluid for the tau protein. And they actually found a little bit of it, um, which is a byproduct uh, uh, of, of the Alzheimer's uh, disease. So at that point she said, yeah, this is definitely Alzheimer's. Um, and uh, when I got the news, uh, that began the uh, second part of my life. So that, um, I mean, I, I'm assuming you must've been in shock, um, not thinking that you were gonna get Alzheimer's to get this diagnosis. I mean, you yeah. know, I guess no one can really prepare for that diagnosis, but it, especially in your case, it must have been very shocking. It was. Uh, part of me, prior to that, part of me was like, am I going crazy? It, I, I feel like there's something wrong with me. But it, it, it's like an invisible disease. It's like an invisible thing. It's like you can't see it, but I know something's wrong. Um, and... But am I going? Am I? Are these things really happening to me? Am I going crazy? So I thought I was. I really thought I was having some kind of a nervous psychological breakdown. But my wife is telling me the whole time. She goes, Jeff, you're not. This there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. It is not psychological. There's a there's a physical thing going on in your brain. 
They, they so, always say, um, if you want to really understand if something's wrong, ask the people closest to you, right? It's like- And we, she knew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like any differences in, in yeah. what they pick up means yeah. that there's, you know, there, there is possibly a problem um, yeah. that exists. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and uh, my wife was really dogged too. She would not take, I don't know, from any of the doctors for, uh, for an answer. She, she said, if, if you can't tell me what's wrong with my husband, I'm going someplace else. And that's what we did until we found the right one. Um, but uh, I've actually forgotten what, you, what your question was. <laughs> no, I was, I was just commenting. I um, But, you know, tell us a little bit about, okay, so you're diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and obviously, you know, um, the shock of that. But, you know, it really did um, change your life from diagnosis. So. First start with, tell us what it's like for you day to day now, living with Alzheimer's disease. I mean, I talk to you and I'm like, Jeff, I wouldn't right. know that you had Alzheimer's disease. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we're having- You don't look like you have Alzheimer's. <laughs> <laughs> I get that yeah. all the time. Like, oh my God, maybe I do have it because Jeff's yeah. so normal, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, that's actually, um, that's actually a, a good segue because, well, first of all, I, I would say that um, when I was, officially diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it was kind of like a double-edged sword. It was like, oh my gosh, I have a terminal disease. And oh, now I know what's really wrong with me. You know, so I, it was it was one of those things. Um, but my day-to-day -day life has actually been pretty good. I, I, I do have limitations. Um, a matter of fact, I experienced one today. I have to stay off of ladders. Uh, I'm just not good with them <laughs> any longer. The, the balance issue that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I just just wiped that really good today off a ladder. Um, so, uh, so those those things uh, limitations that I'm beginning to recognize, and uh, I need to observe those things, and uh, uh, you know, understand that uh, you know this this is my life now. But there are other things where I am very active in. Uh, from a day-to-day -day basis, uh, I've really kind of brought over a lot of the skill sets that I you know, was acquiring over the 20 years in my information technology uh, profession to do you know, websites and social media and, and all of that I kind of wrapped into a very purposeful um, Alzheimer's awareness and advocacy uh, lifestyle. And... Uh, did you keep working after you were diagnosed for a little while or did you feel like you had to quit? Um, what, what happened? I, I, I didn't feel like I had to quit. Um, but I was, I was, um, encouraged by my neurologist and my wife to retire. Um, and it was, it had a lot to do with the fact that, um, Number one, they, they, they really couldn't find a position for me in the company with what I was doing before. Um, so I would have had to have taken a real a, a lower paying salary. Um, but the more important thing was that my wife and the neurologist didn't want me to have that continued level of stress and anxiety because Absolutely. that, yeah, that is, that's really unhealthy uh, for, for, for me, uh, with, with, uh, my, uh, my Alzheimer's. Yeah. 
So, so did it, okay, so we cover a lot on being patient. We obviously cover um, the research around Alzheimer's disease, but we're also um, covering a lot on the research of um, behind brain health, what yes. we can do to maintain and make our brains more healthy. Um, there's a lot of research out there. I mean, I'm a believer now that there you can be proactive about your brain health. So Absolutely. tell us after diagnosis, did it change how you're living life um, physically, mentally, all of that? Yes, there's, there's two things for me. Uh, number one is that uh, as soon as I was diagnosed, I got into and was accepted into a clinical trial. Uh, I'm on the, uh, the, it's the Biogen Aducanumab clinical trial. Actually, it's coming, I'm coming up on, I think my 34th month. Uh, I'm in the open label. Uh, it's a very, so far it's a very successful there. There's good results for the clinical trial itself. Uh, so I, I do that, but I also um, I, I also believe and firmly believe that there are um, there's there's modifiable and non-modifiable risk factors. Uh, non-modifiable risk factors, a couple of them could be your genetics, um, uh, thing things like that, right? Have, have you Mod gotten a genetic test, Jeff? Do you know if you were predisposed to Alzheimer's? I the the um, clinical trial I'm on knows, but because I'm in the clinical trial, I'm not supposed to have that information. Okay. It's just part of the, it's just, it's the, it's the ethics and efficacy of the, of the clinical trial. Um, uh, as, as for modifiable risk factors, there's just really a lot of things that you can do. And I try to do those things every day. Um, we call it exercise your brain. And <clears throat> when you exercise your heart, cardiovascularly, you're exercising your brain. So all of those things that we know that we're supposed to do to exercise our heart, uh, for a healthy heart, those are the things that we know that we should be doing for our brain as well. And um, it, it, it's, it's really, it's, it comes down to, you know, uh, 20 to 30 minutes of cardiovascular exercise a day, eating a, like a Mediterranean style, di style diet, uh, you know, stay away from uh, uh, sugars and uh, sodas and things like that. I mean, you look up the Mediterranean diet, you know, it, you, you've probably heard of it and you're probably aware of it. And that, that's, I try to stick to that. Every once in a while, I'll have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich though. Break, that's okay. <laughs> we're, allowed, we're allowed to cheat once in a while. Right. Um, we have some comments and questions coming in. Um, you know, one of the things um, um, uh, that, um, someone is asking is that, you know, they're curious if there's anything you think doctors can do to improve how they diagnose someone with dementia. And, you know, as we talked about, um, often people as young as you with um, a diagnosis don't get a diagnosis unless there's a partner who is insistent that there's something wrong or, you know, you get several other diagnoses before you actually realize um, it's, it's dementia. So, um, yeah. From your perspective, what is it that doctors can do better that they're not doing now? Well, the first thing I would say is that I heard more often than not was, we're not going to test you for Alzheimer's because you're too young. Now, we know that that's, you know, not true anymore, and it hasn't been so in a long time. The first person to ever be diagnosed with Alzheimer's was 51 years old younger, a younger onset Alzheimer's person. Um, so, uh, 
you know, it's really surprising to me that in our society, our culture now, that we still have to go down that year and a half of diagnoses to try to figure out uh, if it's Alzheimer's or not. I think the biggest thing that's going to change in our country, and it's and it's going to have to happen through legislation, federal uh, and state legislation. Um, most recently, there was um, actually I think it was right before the first of the year was uh, the uh, Bold um, Alzheimer's Act was passed, and that's a um, a piece of legislation that is going to really build centers of excellence and create education centers for uh, physicians across the board on to better prepare their staff, their offices, uh, clinicians, um, uh, residents, et cetera, right across the board for how to work with people uh, who have dementia, younger onset Alzheimer's, and how to better diagnose uh, right across the board. So, so a lot of times, unfortunately, things don't change unless they're made a law. But uh, the bold, uh, the bold um, Alzheimer's Act is one that is definitely going to do that. Okay, and we have another question um, from a viewer saying, you mentioned you had brothers. Have they been tested since your diagnosis? Um, fascinating to explore the link between pure genetics versus environment, lifestyle, and experience. You know, I, I, my brothers have not been tested. Um, uh, my mom did get a, a, a genetic test from uh, one of their uh, the online sites, the online online the DNA sites, and she does not have the ge the genetic precursors. Um, so I'm always thinking about whether or not it was environmental because my father, my brother, I'm sorry, my father and his brother and his father and myself, we all worked in the same business, um, which was uh, was was environmental. It was a, um, a type of environmental business. Uh, my my older brother and younger brother did work there as well, um, but uh, I don't think that they um, have ever um, entertained the idea of getting a, a genetics um, a test. But I I too am very interested in the whole genetic component of it. But again, because I'm in the clinical trial, uh, it's really something I kind of have to stay away from at this point. Yeah, no, understandable. Um, so um, another question has come in, um, say a, a viewer said, uh, you know, he wants to thank you for your generosity and sharing um, your personal experiences. Um, so being in the Biogen study, are there limitations and other things you may want to try? Um. So meaning, I think what he's saying is there's the traditional route, like the pharma route, like the medication, yes. and then there's other things that are out there. Like I, how open-minded are you? I, I have, I have, it's been on my mind for a while to, I, I've been thinking about CBD oil um, because I've heard uh, quite a few of my, the people in my community who are, uh, who have tried CBD oil and have had, they feel that they've had some benefits from it. Um, I, I've discussed that with my um, clinical trial operators or um, uh, coordinators and the doctors. And 
uh, although they don't, uh, they, although they can't prescribe that, you know, legally and, and, and ethically, um, if I weren't in the clinical trial, they'd say, you know, you know, go for it, you know, it's totally up to you. Uh, but because I am in the clinical trial, I, I, I'm very leery about introducing something else that could uh, affect the results uh, of that trial. Because being in this trial, it's just not about me. It, it's, it's the efficacy of, of me being in this trial is whether or not this trial is going to work for, you know, hundreds or thousands or potentially millions of other people too. So, so anything that I do, um, I, with regard to me being in this trial, I always have to consider, you know, what am I doing to affect or skew the results of this trial that could affect other people? And that's Jeff, the advocate talking. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about what gives you purpose in life now. I mean, that sounds kind of like a a strange question to ask, um, but you know, you're, you're living, you're a person living with Alzheimer's disease. Um, you've changed your life to advocacy. Um, so, so what lies ahead for you? Where, where's the future for Jeff? I've always been, I've always considered myself to be a servant leader and serving other people first, uh, putting other people before myself. Um, you know, obviously that starts with your family, your wife, your children, uh, but it really extends out to the, large, to the larger community. When I was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it really, that became my new purpose. Um, my new purpose uh, wasn't, you know, coding, uh, you know, write, writing software, you know, to, um, you know, to, to develop uh, an enterprise system any longer. Um, it, my new purpose uh, or things or, or, or the thing that was purposeful to me um, that really was about servant leadership and being a servant was, okay, what's the greatest impact that I can have on my, my, my family and, and my, uh, my uh, micro and macro community and and the way that I do that is by serving in a uh, an awareness and advocacy role and helping other people that are living with this disease. I um, once a month uh, I run a memory cafe uh, where we have people. I have people. We host it, and we have people come in who are living with uh, Alzheimer's or various forms of dementia, and we come in and we have. It's, we don't call it a support group. It, it, it's 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 a place. It's a time that we can get together and kind of leave the disease at the door. Um, talk about it if we want to, but we do things like this weekend. We're having a memory cafe and we're doing painting. You know, I, I've never really painted, so it's something new to learn. It's a new activity. It's stimulus. It's uh, it's um, it'll fire up some new neurons that I that I didn't know were there and. Um, you know, hopefully help some other people. So that's kind of what my new purpose is. Jeff, what do you tell people who come to you and say, I just got a diagnosis? What, what do you say to them? Well, the first thing I say to them is I I try to understand their story because everyone has a story. Everyone has a unique story of how they, how they got to where they are. 
Um, and um, I, I, the first thing I do is I listen. Um, tell me all about what's going on. How do you feel? You know, what are you struggling with? And then I try to encourage them to not listen to the things like get your affairs in order. You know, I try to encourage them to let them know that they are still here and they can continue to contribute if they want to. There are things or activities that you can do that, um, if you're able. There are organizations out there that will help you. Um, it, it's, it, it's just, what can I do to encourage you, the person living with Alzheimer's, to, um, to continue to live a purposeful life? Or if maybe if you were always wondering what your purpose was, now that you have Alzheimer's, this can be your purpose. You know, you can advocate, you can speak out, you can go to the to, to various uh, organiza organizations and and become an advocate for that organization. So thank you so much, Jeff, for sharing your story. Um, a, a main purpose um, we launched being patient perspectives is to hear from people like you. Um, and I, I can honestly say you're living proof that an Alzheimer's diagnosis um, doesn't mean it's all over. I mean, you know, you're living life to its fullest and, and truly inspirational. So we really- you so much for sharing your story. Um, oh, if people you. want to know more about you, where do they go? Well, they can go. The best place to go is probably Borgoff.com. Okay, um, spell your last name for people. It's sure. It's B-O-R-G-H-O-F-F.com. Oh, I should say it's up on on the the name strap too. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> can I just say one more thing? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, do we have time? Yeah. Okay. So before he had said, uh, um, you don't look like you have Alzheimer's. Um, I, I meant to say something about that. And I, and I think this is very important because a lot of times when, when someone says to a person who has Alzheimer's or dementia that you don't look like you have Alzheimer's, you don't look like you have dementia. Some people get offended and upset about that. I, I choose not to. And, and in, what, in what sense? Like if, if, if someone says, oh, you don't seem like you have dementia, it's, it's more because, you know, you, you, we view it as, oh, well, you seem like you're doing so well, right? Yeah, and, you, seem, you seem normal. Yeah. My wife would say, try, try <laughs> living 24 hours with my husband. Right. Um, he's a, you know, a you know, nice guy and everything, but, you know, he walks around in small circles sometimes. You know, he just, you know, it, you'll, then you'll see what, Alzheimer's kind, kind of looks like. Um, but uh, when a person says to me, you don't look like you have Alzheimer's, uh, a lot of people get upset about that because it is, kind of, it is an invisible disease. It's an invisible handicap. It's an invisible disability, right? Mm -hmm. um, I choose not to get offended at that. What I do is I use that as a, that, to me, that's a, that's a great segue to telling somebody or helping somebody understand what Alzheimer's is and what mm -hmm. dementia is. So I would say to the people who are out there who are listening to this, that if somebody says to you, you don't look like you have Alzheimer's, so you don't look like you have Lewy body, you know, uh, dementia or vascular dementia, take that as an opportunity to say, well, 
you know, what does a person with diabetes look like? You know, that kind of, you know, make it a little lighthearted, but, but also try to help them understand really what Alzheimer's and dementia is because that's part of the awareness that we can do as people living with Alzheimer's is, is that we can help change the stigma, the myths and the stereotypes of, of this disease. Absolutely. And thank you so much for sharing that thought, because mm -hmm. I think that's a really important one. And as I discussed with you um, previously um, to this discussion, we were I was saying how, you know, the worst part about Alzheimer's to me, from my perspective, looking at my mom is um, she feels diminished by the disease. Yes. Um, like she's not who she used to be. Yeah. Um, so so. You know, I think you, that you raise a really important and valid point. It's like for to be able to communicate what it's like to live with this disease can help people around you to really understand yeah. and um, to better interact for all that matters. Um, Absolutely. Indeed. Indeed. So thank you. Um, thank you so much, Jeff. We're, we're really happy that you joined us and shared your story. Um, and to those of you who want to know more about Borgdorf, uh, uh, Jeff Borgoff, you could go to Borgoff.com on his yes. website, which has his story and his advocacy work. Um, we at Being Patient will post these interviews on our website, beingpatient.com, and we will bring you more of um, the voice of people impacted or um, who have Alzheimer's disease um, from their perspective. So thanks very much for joining us. Deborah and beingpatient.com. Thank you so much for this opportunity to uh, speak to you and, and use my voice uh, for advocacy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff.